0: people paying money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring.
1: Wrestling fans and welcome to another episode of the Twenty by Twenty Ring Crew. As always, you got Matt here alongside Joe. What's up? What's going on, Joe? Uh, Wrestling is always going on. Uh, As usual, we have wrestling on the background. We have
2: Moose. We have Moose (laughs) uh,
1: doing an interview here. He's the TNA World Champ, even though that's not really a thing anymore. Moose. We got the was it December fifteenth edition of Impact Wrestling. So much going on in the world of Impact Wrestling that uh, I know we're going to touch on. Because we're going to do a little kind of rundown of of 2020, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because there certainly was (laughs) quite a bit of ugly this year. (laughs) Not the most exciting, like, going into a a final episode that we've done because of, obviously, everything that's gone down this year. There's still a lot of great moments that... uh, Kind of want to remember and and just kind of share some some good wrestling stories as we, you know, dive more into the holiday season and just kind of prepare ourselves to what hopefully will be a great twenty twenty one. Before we get started, I, I we were, you know we were kind of doing our our, our pre recording warm ups and and just kind of conversing and I threw uh, an episode of WWE Untold on the uh, on the TV while we were doing that. Uh, By the way, WWE Untold, you can catch every episode on the WWE Network, which you can go to their website at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. It's all one word. And you can get yourself 30 days for free on us, through us, uh, and uh, enjoy everything that's on the network. No matter how we feel about the WWE as a whole, the WWE Network, I cannot stress enough how great it is so definitely check it out uh but we we got done watching uh the most recent episode of wwe untold uh it's the the episode about goldberg streak uh it's actually called goldberg streak just real quick here because i I, it's, it's something that i've always had an issue with now as as a little kid in that era I was on board with, with the with the streak. I was a fan of the streak for a while. But I would say around early ninety eight I kinda got to see the damage that it was causing. And a lot of fanboys of that era just still to this day don't see it as that. And and I kinda wanna discuss that real quick here. Goldberg Streak went from ninety seven to all the way to pretty much virtually the end of nineteen ninety eight when he lost to Kevin Asher Starcade that year. The streak obviously as a whole, people will say it's a good thing. It brought put a lot of attention onto the product. But was it more damaging than good? What was what was your take on it then and what's your take on it now?
3: Uh, as it was happening when it first started to happen I was all about it. I loved, I loved watching this relative unknown come in out of nowhere mm-hmm. and just create such an impact. Mm-hmm. And then they started keeping track of the streak. And it, what really helped that was Mike Taney, For me, anyway. Mike Taney, out of Tony Schiavone and whoever else was doing commentary, Mike Taney was the most legitimate in my eyes. So anytime he had something to say about it, I almost took it as the gospel. Okay. So for him to come out and say, oh, Goldberg's 25-0, and 0, Goldberg's 36-0, and 0, shit like that. I'm like, great. Like, this is this is working. Mm-hmm. After a while, it got to a point where you're starting to, you know, anybody who, who works with numbers at any point in their life, like, you're coming across just patterns. Like, hold on a second. How many times has he fought this person or that person? You know, yeah, I guess it does count as part of the streak. But at the same time, like, there goes a little bit of the legitimacy if he's fighting, you know, Van Hammer three times. You know, it's like, there's got to be more to it. But they did they did a well enough job of keeping everybody entertained and also distracted at the same time. To where that streak, they they were able to let that streak help propel Goldberg into... Something much more than technically he was, you know. I was telling Matt before we started recording, one thing I eventually came to despise about Goldberg. Was his entourage coming to the ring? Because for the life of me, I can't remember any of the commentary team, even not even me, and Gene. Like none of them got that over. What they should have said and and kept reiterating was he's got these cops around him all the time. To n- not that everybody's trying to protect him from the rest of the roster, but the roster should be protected from him. You know that kind of. You know, you're you're stuck in here with me. I'm not stuck in here with you. Mentality, right? They never did that, and and I, you know, reflecting back on it, it's like man, if they would have got that over, I think it would have helped me keep interest in Goldberg and keep interest in the streak. Because overall, uh, f- for the long term, for the long run, I, I am not a Goldberg fan. I, w- if anything, I'm a fan of the streak, and that's about it. As a long time wrestling viewer I mean you could see he was Hulk Hogan more or less you had a few moves and that was it and if you deviated from that that's where I hate to say this man god I hate saying this but like that's where Hogan was better than Goldberg because he had
4: those veteran wiles about him where he's like oh like Goldberg was saying Hogan was great man Hogan's Hogan I've always looked up to him and I've always aspired to be as successful as he was in the business I was honored and privileged to be in the same ring as he was. I had 100% trust in him as a, as a businessman. Mr. Icy Hot.
0: Front hand in Goldberg tried to power him out of
4: it, but
0: just content with sending Hogan back to
4: the corner. We lock up, and the first thing he does, pull me into a headlock, and he puts my head in his armpit, and he's got Icy Hot. I can't see the rest of the freaking match.
0: I'm not sure if Hogan gouged the eyes, or maybe a sweat that got down into... Goldberg's eyes, but he was flinching, digging into his eyes.
4: I know you did that on purpose, but it's a good cover, you know, with your age. and the. I get it, but I still think you did it on purpose. But it's funnier than hell. It makes for a great story. Now, here I'm saying it 500 years later. I still love you, Terry.
3: And you know what? I don't put that past Hulk Hogan. I really don't. You know, you, you, you've got to find a way to slow your opponent down, and that is some old-school fucking Georgia Championship wrestling <laughs> bullshit right there, if we're being honest. I'm not saying that he did do it on purpose, but I wouldn't put it past. That's the difference. You know, Goldberg didn't do that. He he had his move set, and yeah, he was able to, to deviate a little bit here and there, but nothing like a Hulk Hogan. You know, he just didn't have all that experience behind him. He just didn't. And it, it showed. And and that was one of the things that turned me off about Goldberg. His his greenness came out. And there was just points where you're just like, what the hell, man? Uh, what am I even watching now? And I, and and again, I'm not shitting on the, the entire thing. Because, like I said, I am a fan of the streak. And it was really interesting to see it all happen. But in the long run, I'm not a Goldberg fan. I'm just not.
5: What the fuck? You you motherfucker, you booked yourself to beat Bill Goldberg. Yeah, because I was, I was almost as hot as you were, Bill, at the time as a babyface. And you know what I did? I turned around and fucking got the belt and took your streak because, boy, I sure had fucking bragging rights for fucking 24 hours when I turned around and went boom. That was for me, Bill. That was because... And I would want you motherfucker to find one time in my career that I said, and I fucking ended Goldberg's streak. Okay. Sorry, dude, I'm not fucking Mark. They were ch- having to fucking put in Goldberg, Goldberg because they were chanting Goldberg sucks in the buildings. Go to Salisbury. Watch that tape back when he puts his hand through the fucking deal. Mm-hmm. You go, right. he, they took his fucking ass, and I told him, I said, do not put him on the fucking top of this thing. I said, you're going to you're going into fucking New York territory, and you got me and Scott there. I said, this, we've never been there. This ain't, this is a fucking Vince. This, you're going in Vince's building. Yeah. He's going to fucking, they're going to, they're going to chant Razor and Diesel. Wow. Well, they did it. Yeah. And fucking Scott went with it. Mm-hmm. 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 Watch oh, us. Yeah. Watch us. Fuck with the mark. Why
1: not? <laughs> the problem with streaks, you you hit you hit it on the head a lot. I mean, 173 was the final number. 173 people. 173 victories. Victories, yes. You know they. They. I don't know. I, I was. I've been trying to find uh exact. Statistical numbers But I know That like People like Hugh Morris With all due respect To Bill DeMott Hugh Morris Lost to him Double digits amount of times And Yeah You know I know um, Jerry Flynn Was a guy Who didn't talk about On here But Jerry Flynn Was God At least Five or six times If not more I'm not And not to be confused With Jerry Lynn No we're talking About the the hillbilly like <laughs> martial artist yes. yeah. yeah and don't get me wrong
3: like legit badass but mm. at the same time like he's still part of that streak yes
1: i mean he he has victories over hogan he had victories over ddp i believe he had victories over sting and, and that's all fine and dandy but like my my issue with, with, with bill goldberg even as a little kid was it's the same thing over and over and over again and you know people have asked me well what do you want him to do you know you want him to, to have, have all these matches and you know put on 10 to 20 minute spectacles it's yeah actually i mean i mean maybe not every time but you know sprinkle them in there sure cuz when you when you're running through guys over and over again either one of two things is happening and probably both in my opinion you're making your, your roster look extremely weak and look, I, I get it. You got there's certain guys that it's believable that Bill Goldberg going to run through them. That's fine. You know, he's a big guy. There's no doubt about that. He's a big guy. But over time, you're just filling in three minutes of, of airtime just to fill it in. That's all he becomes. So that's the second thing that happens. Like you already know what's going to happen. You already know that this guy has 0% chance of winning this match. Even though people are still jumping up for joy for it, it's going to get old, and it's going to get old a lot sooner than you think. The only reason why, in my opinion, that the streak worked was because it happened during the Monday Night War. Literally anything that was pushed hard enough fucking got over during the Monday Night War. <laughs> yeah. If this were exists to exist today, I don't care what company you work for, you don't make it past twenty without people saying this is bullshit. I yeah. just don't. I just don't believe it anymore. You're not gonna fucking go through AEW and start running through guys over and over again and doing the same fucking move over and over again. I'd say by like match twenty or and, and above, it literally became spear jackhammer. That was it. Yeah, that's all you got. And I remember, I'll never forget. There was an interview with with William Regal. <laughs>
0: And WCW. Anyway, it's, it's know, the match WCW. with Bill Goldberg. Right. And everybody yeah. talks about it was, it was it was a shoot or oh
6: god how ridiculous. Uh, well, is I mean,
0: because I watched it. I watched I'm, it about two I'm, three months I ago. Get,
6: I get sick of talking about it. People ask me that all the
0: time. Right. So what happened? This or, is or what I want to talk about. It. We can I'm, trim it I'm out. Quite,
6: I'm quite happy to talk okay. about. it. I mean, this I don't know what happened. I'm, this is my side of it. You can take it for what it's worth. Okay. I, I'm not gonna. I, I, I don't need to. Whether you believe me or not i just come back off a seven week suspension, right? From when I did the thing on the airplane, when I got thrown in jail in Alaska and all that. So I was on my best behavior. Right. Okay. Who's running things at this time? Eric. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I I get there and I am told by the agent and Bill is there with the agent in charge to go out and have a six minute match. Bill had never done anything more than a 92nd match. And the words were, and we both heard it, have a competitive match. Something different, right?
0: I thought it was a competitive right, right.
6: match. So we go out and go through a few things. Let's get this right. We get out there and if you watch it, and if you know what you're watching for, and that's what throws me off the, I'm, I'm glad that people still think that I'm that good, that I can I, I can make it look like I'm killing people, right? Or taking liberties. Um, go out there and Bill doesn't really—he freezes up. He doesn't know it, so I'm just working around him, and that's yeah, all. You're if doing your thing. If I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying to get him to do stuff, and I'm working around yeah. him. I'm trying to get him to do. People say I'm, I don't hit him any harder than I anybody else in safe places. You were
0: snug. You yeah, laid your stuff, and you protected in safe places. Business. Yeah, I know. I'm no,
6: down with it. There's no liberty to. And it, yes, if, and any—it's just complete divvy talk when people yeah. go in and say any different. And so I'm and trying to get him to. You know, go on, you know, do something, do something yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually. And that's all it is. It's me sort of getting him through stuff. Right. Till we, he finally gets it to and we do whatever we got to do. I come out and I, I'm, I, Eric comes up and starts screaming at me. And, I, and this is my exact words to him look. And Billy stood there. And and Bill said to me, it's all my fault. He said, I'm sorry. And he seems to th- forgot about that. From what I, I don't right. know if he read his book. I don't know. I never read it. Somebody, Not you know, books. people yeah. always come to you and want to tell you about it. Right. That's the only way I hear about things. Right. Oh, such and such said something about you. Such and such said. Sometimes I, I, I couldn't care less. If you don't like me work, I don't care. It's like me liking different types of music. Subjective. Subjective. Right? I don't care. But if you start personal things, right, right, sometimes right. it gets to you a bit. Sure. So um, he said, I, t- I made him look foolish. How bad does that sound when he said, I made him look foolish? This is a big monster, right? And he's trying to well, you make yourself sound any more uh, silly right
0: that doesn't sound good right. because no one should ever right you, you can't let that happen right. as a pro
6: so anyway we come out and my exact words were to eric i said look i can't hit myself that was what i said i said i can't hit myself i said i'm trying my best to get him to do stuff to me and he's not doing anything and he stood there agreeing Bill all stood there agreeing I look over at the agent who give us these, he was going, who's told you, who told you to go all that long and who told you I look over at the agent who I'm waiting for him to say I did. Yeah. And he just buries his head in the paper, in, uh, in his papers. And and I'm that kind of fella, that's just me. I, I probably yeah. saved me a lot of times if I wasn't that way. But that's the way I am. That I've got that, all I've got is my word to me and that's the way I am. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I'm not going to, if you don't, not going to say it yourself, I'm not going to say it. I'll take it on the chin like I take a lot of things on the chin, and I just waited for him to say something. And didn't, and so and people think I got fired that day. I didn't. I I got fired several months later, and I got fired because I was a mess and I was I was out of my mind on drugs. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. But that wasn't, and after that was months later when I, I left obviously yeah. that may have had something to do with it. I may have soured the the thing, but it, I didn't get fired that day. Right, nowhere close to it. Right, it was like. Four or five, five months later, I think that I, I left.
1: And that's the thing, you know, Bill Goldberg. Uh, uh, during the, the 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 episode here, you know, he had said like he had how serious he take he took his job. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. He didn't. He didn't take it seriously because had he had taken it seriously, he would have gotten himself in ring shape. He would have. Fi- he would have done. He would have gotten better ring cardio for one. Which is a lot different from regular cardio, and his move set would have been there. Would have been more to it. Yeah, I mean, shit, fucking John Cena did more fucking move set. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people bitch about John Cena's time, and and not, not wrong, I'm not a John Cena fan. I'm not. I'm not an advocate for John Cena, but you can't bitch about the five moves to do and be a and, Bill, and be a Bill Goldberg fan. It doesn't work. It's the same thing, except for John Cena lost matches here and there, not many. <laughs> To me, it's it's the the streak is a very dangerous thing. This particular streak is not as dangerous because it's obviously wrestling's been was fine, but you when it ended, and this is what I mean by for everyone that has ever said like, oh, your long term is the money that you're gonna make from him. That's the long term. No, what is the long term to when the streak ends? Because it's gonna have to end eventually. And look at what we saw in 1999. We saw the beginning of the demise of WSW. and I'm not sitting there. I'm not sitting here and saying that it was. Bill Goldberg's fault, but certainly Bill Goldberg didn't help keep asses in seats, because at that point he was defeated, and nobody gave a shit anymore. Yeah, all those fans that like that were that were rooting for Bill Goldberg in 1998. Where the fuck did they go? They went to the WWF by 1999 because he wasn't filling he wasn't filling arenas. Yeah, not anymore. And it's what do you got? You got a guy that can't wrestle. That's your gift afterwards. So go ahead and ride that fucking hot streak, but. For those who said, yeah, we're going to ride this hot streak as long as you can, you went out of business two years later. That's my that's my take on the streak. I, I'm still... I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to be a prick, but I've never been proven <laughs> wrong about the streak. It's a dangerous fucking thing, and it should, it should never be done to this magnitude ever again. And it shouldn't have been done then, because, especially with this particular guy. I think two things would have helped this streak.
3: One, they didn't need to keep that number so high. They could have easily had it stayed just as effective with that number being a lot less and the second thing they should have did if you bring up a a very good point after so many wins in a row Mm -hmm. you are whether you want to be or not you are making your roster look weak as fuck and that is by design yeah Okay? So, and and while I understand that, what they should have done was, if they were going to do this and continue to keep doing this, keep that streak a lower number, something more reasonable, if it got to the point where he had to face someone he already faced, they should have gotten it over by having his his former opponents, or repeat opponents at this point, clamor to get another chance to beat Goldberg. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it should have become um, an instance of, like, the boys betting with each other. Like, I'm going to be the guy. Yeah. And But have that play out on screen in interviews and, you know, run-ins and things like that. That's what should have happened. Because mm-hmm. that would have been more believable. Yeah. You know? That way, you know, they could have used house show footage. Oh, look. You know, Bill DeMott as Hugh Morris. Yeah, they're fighting again, but... It's because he wants another crack at, at beating beating the streak. And then, oh, you know, you've got Ravens' flock. You know, uh, Reese Reese wanted another shot. Mm-hmm. So this is what happened at the house show this weekend. And look how he he got. You know, he still got the upper hand and, and kept the streak alive. It should have been something like that. That way you create you keep a, a little more integrity with the streak, but also you're able to. First of all, work the roster better, you know, and hopefully make him better. Yeah. You know, get those guys to fucking teach him something, yeah. you know. Go through some some more training. Put him in shit that he's not used to doing because sooner or later when that big, big main, sta- main stage arrives, i.e. the Hulk Hogan match, mm-hmm.
1: he would have been better situated yeah. for a better match. Or, or even the... The match against DDP at Halloween Havoc. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I Goldberg almost killed himself in that match because yeah. he just he doesn't know how to and
3: and luckily that it was DDP that he was with because <laughs> DDP was pulling out all the stops, like he said in the documentary.
7: Look in that match. He's a giant Tasmanian devil. Right? <laughs> oh, He comes running. He is coming to spear me in that corner. And as he's right there, I literally kick my feet up, and he just keeps going. The post ain't moving. And he
0: ended up hitting his shoulder really hard. And don't forget with Goldberg, if he's got a bad shoulder now, he can't pick the man up for his finishing maneuver.
7: And when I turn around, and there he is, if you watch as he's coming down, his head hits before my body does. So Bill speared himself.
4: I knocked myself out in that match, which was a lot of fun. He goes to
7: pick me up, and he's doing it with one arm because his shoulder hit that pole. He can do it, no arms.
0: Like, oh, first time he hasn't been able to that I know of.
7: I'm like, what the hell is he doing? I'm thinking, something must be wrong here. I don't know this is a shoot. Boom, he picks me up, and I drop behind and spin him and catch him with the cutter. Without question, one of the biggest pops personally I had ever heard. Page, Page has got the, dollar, got the it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And like it really comes out loud over the TV, but it was nothing compared to how loud it was when you were there in the arena.
0: They're standing in Las Vegas! What a match! Page again!
4: I woke up as I was jackhammering
3: Kept the integrity of the match. One simple fucking move that Goldberg couldn't, you know, because of his injury, couldn't figure out what the fuck to do.
1: But it's like you need that other guy. Hit him with the diamond cutter. It it, it gives you time to hopefully heal up. It was a rest period, yeah. and the pop was insane. Yeah. One last thing too, how the streak ended. It's not this, It's not really fair to compare because we're talking. To A weekly streak compared to a yearly streak. The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak Uh and Bill Goldberg's undefeated streak. Again, I understand we're talking a year. Apples and oranges. Yeah, I get that. They still found a way with the Undertaker streak to. No matter how you felt about Lesnar breaking the streak when it when it happened, you could hear pins drop in that arena. Was sure there should there have been a, a, a method to that same kind of madness. And would it have been possible to do something like that when it came to beating the streak? Because how they ended the streak at Star K-98, it was, they, the finish was just a typical WCW, late 90s WCW finish. No, it wasn't.
3: Not according to Kevin Not Nash. Not according to Kevin Nash, It yeah. was the
1: greatest hit finish in the wow. history of fucking wrestling. Kevin Nash is, you
5: know, his <laughs> eagle is, is Eagles taller than he is. Let's just jumps to what I think is one of the... Just greatest finishes of all time. Let's run in disco for no reason. Just run him in. Man. We'll put a wolf pack shirt on him. He's not officially a part of it. All he only deserves
0: this a spear from
5: Thorburn. Uh, the Bam Bam Bigelow run in.
0: Remember, this is no disqualification. Absolutely, it is. And Bigelow, once again, under.
5: So I'm laying on the ground with saying, like, is the clown car next? Give me a break.
4: Truth be told, the cattle prod was not the first idea. The first idea was a taser. The first idea was the one that the policeman would deploy. He would fire it and it would shoot and it would it had barbs and it would stick in your Wherever it hit you, and then the tether would light you up. That's what I wanted to happen. I wanted him to shoot me with it and light my ass up on national television, because that was the only way you were going to take me down.
1: And and how they edited was was com- completely garbage. It was it was a, it was a lack of respect to everything, to not what Bill Goldberg created, but what the company created. I mean, honestly, I go back to that DDP match. That was the better-fitting match for that to end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by, by far. Yep. And then, you know, you you carry it on for another two months and you ended with Disco Inferno and Bam Bam Bigelow and Scott Hall. And see, even that, like, so, you know, we were talking about the whole
3: cattle prod thing and that, to me, as I was experiencing that, because I I watched it happen live, Mm -hmm. it made sense. How else are you going to stop this dude? No one else can stop him. No No one can find an answer. Right. So you have Hall at the time come out, you know, sneaky style as a security guard. And Cattle Pride, Goldberg And that's how Nash wins the match You didn't need Bigelow And you didn't need You never need Disco Inferno you, Yeah, you didn't need Disco Inferno But out of the two, if I were to keep one of those It would be Disco Because uh, for those who don't remember Leading up to that, they would periodically pepper Disco Inferno into NWO matches Because he was like such a wannabe That's Ooh. how they had him booked so he would come out in Wolfpack shit or NWO black and white shit. That's true, yeah. You know, so it made it kind of made sense that he would come out and try to help Nash out to get his spot in the NWO Wolfpack. To me, that made sense. The Bam Bam Bigelow thing didn't really make sense because it was just, it was like too little too late. It was one of those, oh, Bam Bam, uh, victim of the street, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden he's coming back for revenge. If they were going to do that angle, they should have started playing the seed a hell of a lot earlier. Yeah. With Bigelow. Right. And then again, the Hall situation, I'm, I'm not married to the idea that it had to be Scott Hall. But I, I kind of am married to the idea that it had to be something extreme like a cattle prod mm-hmm. or a taser gun or what have you. I would have settled for brass knuckles. hmm You know? Yeah. Something believable. To where like oh okay it's this it had to take this to to get this guy out so you're and, saying, and, and real quick okay it's not gonna be a fucking chair shot it's just not so no no
1: matter what Goldberg doesn't lose clean to anybody no I think they booked themselves into a corner yeah I really do so I mean, it's not the, it's not gonna be the same as the Undertaker because the Undertaker has gone on record now officially saying that it should have been somebody else other than Brock Lesnar to break the streak. Yeah. It should have been it should have been somebody that we everybody in the right mind including us on the show has said that it should have been somebody that actually it would have meant something to them now I understand Undertaker at this point in his career again Apple's known I get that but Undertaker was you know kind of in that passing the torch phase in his career where Goldberg wasn't I yeah I I look back at it and I agree like as much as I would have loved to see DDP cleanly beat Goldberg at Halloween havoc it just it wasn't in the cards for this character because at this point you're talking 160 or 170 or whatever it was during the DDP match, 160-something. It just wasn't in the cards. The, the guy was a fucking monster. And he was built to be that. Mm-hmm. And it was unfortunate. And that's, again, another issue with the streak in this sense because then you get a really poor finish. It didn't have to be that poor, but I don't know. For me something of that nature, we're talking of this high of magnitude. I always kind of feel like it should be held with a little more respect, but they built it to where you actually couldn't cleanly beat Goldberg at that point.
3: So when you first started uh, comparing the streaks here, you Mm -hmm. said it's not really the same thing, but there are a lot of parallels. And if you look back, if you look back, um, there was a point in time where Undertaker was that big bad monster, and no one could seem to have a, an answer to to getting the best of him. Mm-hmm. So what did they do? They booked a bigger, badder monster correct. in Kane. Yeah, correct. And and while that had you know didn't necessarily have anything to do with the WrestleMania streak. It did so for his character. Mm-hmm. That would have been an option with Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Have this, have you know? I don't, I don't know who it would have been. I think if we're if we're going by that same logic, it would have had to have been another unknown, mm-hmm. a, a, some someone who looked much more menacing, yeah, and 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 whatnot. And they should have beat Goldberg. Whoever that would have been, that's a pretty tall order back then, because you already had, you know, you you had what's his name from the flock, who was a big motherfucker. Oh, Reese. Reese. Yeah. And then you also had, you know, at some point you had the giant there, so it would ha- it would have had to have been somebody either unknown or someone under a mask, you know, something of that nature.
1: Or, or, or hear me out here. WCW could have built talent up throughout the years, throughout that year, and just be like, "This guy is on a fucking hot streak," like a, maybe a Chris Benoit or a Booker T, you know, things of that nature. Where those guys, I mean, Chris Benoit getting over on Bill Goldberg is very plausible if yeah. you build them up correctly.
3: My, my point is still the same. You, mm-hmm. know, you you're going to have to you're going to have to make it believable. I'm just
1: trying to put a face to it. That's yeah, I'm trying to, yeah. to
3: fancy book here. Cause I mean, well, like they could for you know by that equation, Bigelow. Yeah, you know if, right, if they're right. if they're gonna have Bigelow come back and try to seek revenge in in his in this very opportunistic moment, great. But you have to build all that up. You have to build up that he's going to be that opportunist. He just can't all of a sudden be it, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to make it matter. Yeah, that's not how it works. At least not successfully. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for, you know, um, elevating a Chris Benoit at the time
1: or a Booker T. But it had to have been booked correctly. It had yeah, to have been that, done correctly. that's exactly my point. Um, these are all shoulda, woulda, couldas at this point. is full of them. But, <laughs> but this is one of those things that they never felt they got wrong. It's not mind-boggling knowing the type of egos that existed in WCW. But you got it wrong. They got it fucking wrong. They started off right, but they just kept doing the same thing for 173 matches. Let's do the same exact fucking thing. Folks, when does that ever work in business? It doesn't. <laughs> totally. You have to evolve.
2: Yeah,
1: You have to ride it, ride the streak that you're on, but understand that it's going to come to an end. No pun intended on the streak thing, but ride the wave until it comes to an end and find a way to... Continue that momentum after it's done. They didn't do that. One last thing I got to ask here, and I know it's going to be a r- really, really quick question. I, I just, I kind of want to see the reaction that you're going to get. What if Bill Goldberg existed in the times of the de- NWA? Old school NWA. Would this have worked?
3: No. I, it's hell no. Hell to the no. <laughs> because, yeah, C. Slayer agrees. Hell no because just because of the way that those locker rooms ran. Yeah. You know, are you kidding me? You think fucking Harley Race is going to let that happen? Arn yeah. Anderson, you think? Yeah, they're, no, they're not going to let that shit fly. Sooner or later, he's going to get got,
1: and and it might have been out of the ring. You yeah, know? how many people are getting are going to go into business for themselves at that point? Absolutely. <laughs> I just would love to see a yeah. guy like Bill Goldberg try to pull that shit.
3: Yeah, no, there's no fucking way.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's enough talk of Bill Goldberg here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 173 (laughs) matches. Apparently he's coming back. Again, we've talked about that. He's coming back. Supposedly going to get a Goldberg-Roman Reigns match. That's probably going to happen. I mean, it's not going to happen this year. We're at the the end of the year. So 2021 is looking like that's going to happen. There's also rumors that that Roman Reigns is going to face The Rock to become the head of the kitchen table you know or whatever whatever they're calling it I forgot what you said in an episode it, it just it made me giggle every time that I I heard it when I was editing when I was editing I forgot what you fucking said but I just kept rewinding because it just made me fucking laugh every time but yeah the so that's a lot of that shit's happening but 2021 is in the future 2020 is still here. What a fucking year this has been. I, I know. Yep, I know. Slayer says it perfectly. My, my dog here is just not not having it every time he hears the word 2020. But 2020, it's come and gone. Obviously, the first thing that we we should talk about when we talk about 2020, unfortunately, it just to kind of get it out the way so we can talk about some of the a lot of the good that still happened. Obviously, this is a year that's been impacted by a pandemic. We are still in the midst of that. You know, We don't talk about the political side or all the other stuff. You know, again, we just all hope that everybody is doing okay amidst this, this this crazy time that we live in. And pro wrestling took a huge, huge hit, just like a lot of other businesses out there. The pandemic put a lot of businesses on hold. We're starting to see a little bit of the clong. We saw a wave of that with independent wrestling of course, up until the the show in India, kind of put a, a hurt <laughs> on a lot of a lot of companies there. But you know, we now you know we're seeing the return of Major League Wrestling. We're seeing the return of Ring of Honor. You know, companies that never ended or never stopped, like uh, like an Impact Wrestling, like a WWE, like a AEW. As a whole, what kind of future are we looking at? Pandemic exclusive here because of everything that's transpired in the course of this calendar year
3: well you've got you know we've got a vaccine that as of now has just started to to hit the public i believe pfizer and moderna are the two two companies that have vaccines out that are available the the numbers are looking very promising uh there's a lot of hope there's a lot of hope for 2021 to much more uh, in check as far as the pandemic goes sure and with that, I think we will see a definite resurgence in public events. I mean, not just professional wrestling, but you know, concerts and and, and the like. And I think, I think this time around, we'll have. A, I think we'll be more prepared, mm-hmm. or have the ability to be more prepared. And you know, it's it's going to be something that. I don't think is going to go away completely in in the long run. I think there will forever be that situation where you you know whether you, whether it be like like an extra added step of security or or something of that nature at public events where it just becomes part of the norm because we don't want to go through this again. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. I'm t- you know if 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 I have to wear a mask. Or, you know, I have to bring hand sanitizer wherever the fuck I go. Or, or what have you, just so that I can go, you know, be out in public, you know, attend a wrestling event or something of that nature. Absolutely. It, little shit like that, it shouldn't bother anybody for any reason, you know. Like, it's all for public safety. Just do it. Simple as that. Just fucking do it. But 2021, I I think we're definitely going to see a resurgence, and I see a lot of promise coming up. I mean, you know, we've already got we've already got Kenny Omega as we as we were watching him him and Carl Anderson uh, on Impact Wrestling here with Don Callis. You've got that situation where you know Kenny Omega's always flirted with that idea, like, hey, I want to wrestle these guys from this company. I wish they could just make this happen. Well, now he's made it happen. Maybe not with all of the guys that he's wanted to wrestle against. This is the start of something big. And I know there's a lot of people against it or a lot of people who don't believe in it. But it's happening, whether you want it to happen or not. I mean, we've, we're have we in the second or third week of it now. It'll definitely be interesting to see how they actually play this out and and how well it gets over. But it's here. I'm excited at the prospects, all the future prospects. Especially if they decide to Get back into business with New Japan and or Ring of Honor I mean, I think there's a lot A lot of good that can come from it. And hopefully that, that plays out to fruition I, I would fucking love to see that happen
1: As far as, you know, things of there's still a lot of unknowns, obviously, when it comes to things of like the, the vaccines and, and, and th- things of that nature. I'm hopeful. I'm skeptical. I'm confused. I'm just I'm everything. And that's that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to when it comes to the pandemic. Just like Joe said, though, you know, do what you got to do, man. Do what you got to do so we can get through this and, and, and get back to some kind of normalcy unfortunately I, I think I think you and a lot of people are right the the normal the new normal will be changed for for I believe years to come you know it's one of those things it just it, it is what it is I mean we have to find ways to make sure that the things that we love don't stay gone forever. One of the things that I can say about that is look at the potential future or lack thereof of movie theaters now me personally i can give two shits about going to the movie theaters i'm not a fan the general public has ruined that for me personally i would leave it at that but for a lot of people it's it's a big deal and it's an industry that is dying we are we're fun we're we're seeing ways to where the pandemic has kind of sped up the process obviously with the with the, the world of streaming you know we've we've kind of have been shown ways to hide why we don't act really need movie theaters. But again, because of being in a confined space indoors with people and the germs and all that stuff, it has definitely turned people away from going back to theaters. And I know that we're in the midst of a, of a pandemic still, but the, the the proof is is in the results. And the results shown that the even when theaters were open, and I believe to this day that some still are in certain areas and and the numbers are just almost non-existent this is not it's not really really good and again to be fair we are still in the midst of a pandemic and there are just people who are just flat out no go on, on on going out in public and that's you know that's fine that's their business that being said pro wrestling it it, it suffered because you don't have people in attendance you it's it's it suffered not just because of the money situation obviously people aren't in attendance you know, like, we, we, I just turned on the, the Monday Nitro from July 6, 98. Apparently, this is a Goldberg night for me because this is the night that we were talking about where he beats Hogan for the for the world title at the Georgia Dome. And you got a, a huge venue like the Georgia Dome. Way too big for a Monday Nitro show, by the way. Um, should have been a pay-per-view, in my opinion. Yeah, this should. <laughs> <laughs> You You see all these people in attendance and then you turn on a show from 2020 and we're watching impact wrestling for example and you have nobody absolutely nobody so you're missing out on those ticket sales these wrestlers potentially i don't know i don't know what the contracts are i don't know what the negotiations were but potentially you're working for less money now because there's no there's no ticket sale there's nothing at the gate that you're making you're making it strictly off of advertisement for a company for an Impact Wrestling episode. That can't be enough to get by on on a consistent basis. When you when you look at some companies opening up, whether it be now and you know in 2021, you got to ask yourself: Are they even going to go full capacity? Are people going to want to come out? Like again, the movie theater situation. You know what is that going to be like? And that's going to be the the big one of the one of the big questions of 2021 is that. Can, and we're just talking professional wrestling right now because this is a pro wrestling podcast, of course, but can pro wrestling survive another year, a full calendar year, where you have a lack of attendance? And on another note, too, of how it's hurting, not just financially, but the level of excitement that you get from entering competition, I I, got to give credit to the general population. I don't do this very often. But... (laughs) <laughs> you you guys being there and, 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 and being rowdy and, and getting into and having those spots of 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 just going completely fucking apeshit, it makes the match that much better. And when you have crickets or in the case of WWE, audio in live crowd, it's not the same. It's not. It definitely takes you out of the experience of what pro wrestling is. Which is why we talked about on the twenty by twenty by twenty episode from last week why it's probably not a good idea. One of the reasons why it's not a good idea to do a match like War Games in the midst of a pandemic. There's more reasons than than one, but the, a lack of audience is another reason. And you know, can pro wrestling survive another calendar year? A full calendar year. I should. I, I keep messing that up. A full calendar year. Of no fans in attendance or a a very small amount of fans in attendance. I'm not so
3: sure. I I think you're going to have, obviously, companies like AEW for sure. I think they'll survive because they're playing it smart. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that, but they take the COVID precautions. Yes. You know, you've got, you know, they have uh, fans at ringside, albeit a small amount, but you also look at new japan new japan's doing the same thing small amounts of fans social distancing constantly cleaning Mm -hmm. the ring which i love that they show you that they're doing it you know you don't see that a whole lot i think Mm -hmm. the only other the only other place that does it on camera now is uh, ring of honor so some indie shows and, well, yeah. But I'm saying, like, right. unless, unless you're, I'm, I'm talking about as far as, like, all the time. And, you know, yeah, you're right. There are some indie indie uh, feds that do it. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you don't see that. Like, you don't see that on Monday Night Raw. You don't see that on SmackDown. Right. You know, and they that should be something that should be televised. Especially, It's important because you're on that major platform. Mm-hmm. You you have that. Uh, it's almost like you mentioned uh, PSA last week. You know, it, it's it's like an unspoken. It should be an unspoken like r- rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're all going through it. Like, why try to hide it? Just put it out there. Show that you're you're being doing your part. You know, doing your part. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that. It Doesn't show weakness, Vince. Uh, right. I think if 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 those I think if those who want to stay in business. Evolve and and take the take the necessary precautions. I think they'll they'll survive. But because of that, that what the byproduct of that situation is going to be some hybrid wrestling situation that becomes the norm. You know, I I think uh, I think for at least the next couple years, I don't think we're gonna see large amounts of people being able to attend you know concerts or or wrestling or what have you i just think that's the way it is and then you, you gotta remember too like and i'm sure you've you've had this happen to you i'm sure anybody who's ever been to a wrestling show has had that has had this happen to them but you're at a wrestling show there are those lulls during the show whether it be during the popcorn match or just a fucking shitty match. Mm-hmm. like you, it, it is all organic. The crowd reaction is organic. If, if you've got a, a match that's going on and it's badass and, and you're really into it, the fans are going to let you know. And if it's a piece of shit match, the fans are going to let you know. We need those fans. We need actual wrestling fans to be at ringside. During matches, whether they be on TV or streaming or what have you, because that's what's going to get all the home viewership that that little spark of interest, that that little X factor, no pun intended, as we're watching (laughs) access TV over here. But that's what's going to get you into into watching it like it's got to be exciting. And that uh, unfortunately, that's part of it for for professional wrestling, Mm -hmm. especially people like us who have been to live shows. You know, it's we're it's almost like we're spoiled now. You know, there's no turning back for us. There's got to be some relevant audience there,
1: ringside. I agree with you. You know, WWE, AEW, in, in, in general, will we'll probably be fine another calendar year. I, I, again, though, I don't know what the books are. I don't know how AEW is going to do. I, I as far as you know, when the the final you know the final numbers come in for for this for the final month. I don't know how, if they've lost money. I don't know if they've gained money. But I know pro wrestling, no matter what anybody says, including WWE, Mark, pro wrestling thrives. Just like in, in, in baseball, it thrives on a good farm system. Yeah. And independent wrestling, whether we want to consider it a farm system or not, for a lot of purposes, it is a farm system. How does a farm system exist without fans in attendance and the reality is it it doesn't you you at some point you have to have money coming in not not just for the wrestlers because yeah a lot of independent wrestlers will say you know especially when they first started out working like true independent wrestling they're not making a lot of money to begin with i get that but in order for those companies to survive you have to have money you you don't have tv deals you don't have merchandise deals you're you're based off of live at the gate and if you don't have a gate, how are you how are you surviving? How how does Warrior Wrestling survive? How does Black Label Pro survive? How does the the, the number of ICW survive? I don't think they do. You got to be creative and you got to find different,
3: untraditional, alternative revenue streams. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. You got to figure it out whether it be like a subscription service or you know fuck they were doing at the the beginning of the pandemic you had a bunch of indie places doing sponsor a wrestler you know things like that you've got Mission Pro based out of Texas uh, Thunder Rosa's uh, company Mm -hmm. she's doing custom matches you get you know you get like eight eight, uh, wrestlers and you get a a chance to book them against one another in whatever custom gear you want the whole nine like that's such a cool concept uh, yeah and you're pa- and
1: you're paying for it so i don't know if i could afford that right now but that's a really cool idea i don't know what she charges but
3: i don't either um i know i know the it ranges quite a bit but mm. still it's like there you go i yeah. mean it's it's keeping people working in the business it's, it's affording them uh, a chance to to keep living their dream again it's it's creative you know, it's something that is definitely not the traditional, your traditional means. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, that's that's what it boils down to for me. You got to be creative and, and find those alternate revenue streams somehow,
1: some way. I can't stress enough how important it is to support independent wrestling. If you are a fan of AEW and you say oh, I'm all, I only like AEW, I don't like this other shit. If you're a fan of WWE and you say the same thing, Impact Wrestling, what have you. I just I implore you to take the time out. Maybe wa- just watch a couple shows here and there, and and you know support things like like uh, IWTV Independent Wrestling Television, guys. It, it's 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 ten dollars a month, and you get just overabundance of, of wrestling too, that, mu- too much wrestling for you to physically watch yeah even if you stayed awake for days on end, it's just not it's not possible and they're constantly updating things and and, and kudos to I- iwtv because they almost single-handedly are, are pretty much, are, are right now keeping independent wrestling afloat <laughs> yeah. i mean they are they are reaching out to this anybody that is putting on a show and, and putting them on on their streaming service, you know, and and it's great. And, and I mean, going wrong, I'm sure they're they're probably getting their cut of something, but whatever, you know. I mean, it's keeping these people employed because you you go and you watch a lot of these a lot of these wrestlers, and let's just stick with WWE right now. I, I watched the Keith Lee uh, documentary from a week or two ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's a it's a fine little short little forty minute documentary. You know, whatever, but. Again, Keith Lee, where did he come from? You know, this is a guy that was cut by WWE three times. Or I should say not cut because you got to work for them. He was was turned down by WWE three times. Before he ever worked for Evolved, he worked for shithole little indie shows down in in fucking Texas. (laughs) You know, (laughs) became a fucking star. You know, so... You don't know. You got the next Keith Lee. You got the next, you know, whoever. I'm not, I always draw a blank when I do that. Like, there's like a million fucking Russells I can think. I'm like, I don't know, somebody. But you could be the next Keith. (laughs) (laughs) The next Keith Lee. Darby Allen. Darby Allen, yes. You know, uh, you never know. You might get the next Kenny Omega that's out there fucking starving and some shithole fucking wrestling organization in illinois there you go you you don't know i tell you what man you think of independent wrestling you don't have the glitz and the glamour but some of the best wrestling you ever see and i just I, i implore people to really give that a chance because i would just hate to see pro wrestling suffer even more because of everything that's going on and another thing too to kind of wrap up the the covid talk you know this is we'll kind of segue into it a little bit uh, and out of it, I should say a little bit here, because to kind of piggyback off what you were saying earlier, this makes collaborations all that much more important. Absolutely. It's, it's already a big deal and smart if you do it, but now if you're talking collaborations with AEW, Impact Wrestling, and New Japan for Wrestling, and let's see who else, if if anybody else gets involved in that, it just it just opens up those floodgates of more exposure to talent that you weren't necessarily getting before so i i i i i fucking love it i i hope that it's everything that we have you know projected it could be and more but because of the pandemic it's it, it takes up that much more importance unlike raising the roof in 1998 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is it weird that Booker T, who's out in the ring right now, I, get, I think he's fought to face Dean Malenko, if, yes. I, if I saw it correctly. He looks younger without that mustache. He looks so old with that mustache on.
4: Yeah, head. oh yeah, he's one <laughs> of those guys. Tell me he didn't just say that.
1: He had that mustache on, and as soon as he shaved it off, I'm like, man, he looks younger. Yep, hell yeah. Uh, 2020 had a lot of... Uh, a lot of Promising moments, a lot of mustaches. We tend to forget, we talked about the pandemic, but we tend to forget there was a couple of months where we didn't have to worry about a pandemic um, as far as it being officially named. One of the things that transpired... Did I say that right? Yes. I couldn't. I can't talk there.
0: Transpiro! Transpiro! <laughs> <laughs> One
1: of the things that transpired here in 2020 at the very beginning of the year, we're talking just a few days in, you know what I'm talking about your Russell, Oh, boy. Wrestle Kingdom... 2020, first time Wrestle Kingdom took place on uh, in, in the span of two days, two shows. We saw we saw the journey come to an end in Tetsuya Naito, which we've talked about. One of my favorite moments of 2020. We before we even talk about anything that has to do with what happened after that match which is probably one of the best moments of 2020. <laughs> the double championship. That's what I want to talk about right now because that's something that New Japan has ran with yeah. all, year, all long. year long. Now, obviously, Tetsuya's, Tetsuya Naito's first reign was cut. I, I wouldn't say cut short, but it was left in, in limbo because of the pandemic and the shutdowns. He comes back, almost immediately loses the title to Evil, one of the biggest heel turns of the year. Obviously, another big moment of the year. Such an underrated moment, it, too, it, it man. Very much It very much is. Evil ends up dropping the title about a month and a half later or so to Tetsuya Naito again. And when I say title, I mean double title. Tetsuya Naito won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and Intercontinental Championship at both, in the span of two shows. Mm-hmm. He's been double champion since. Every time he's defended it, it's been double championship. Now, going, going into 2021, the match is official. It's going to be Tetsuya Naito defending the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships against Kota Ibushi. And the winner of that match will face Jay White the following night. Now, winner aside for now, we could talk about that. But what I want to talk about is... Are we going to see a merger here, or is this is this title going to be these titles going to be separated at some point? Because they've been running double champ. The, the titles have never been defended separately. What is your take on that? Is that good? Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? I hate to sound like a broken record, but every time I think I have
3: New Japan figured out, they fucking shock the shit out of me. So my mind wants to say,
1: trust the process.
3: Well, my mind wants to say uh, keep it keep it defended as as a double championship and mm-hmm. and let them merge it into one belt. Okay, but uh, more than likely, we'll probably see the opposite. Okay, and I think that'll be the um, I think that'll be the uh, the the proverbial monkey wrench that gets thrown into all this. Um, how they're gonna do it, I don't know, and that I'm so fucking excited to see just exactly how that happens but um regardless of whether they split those championships or not like I'm still so fucking excited for russell kingdom man it's it's shaping up to be one hell of well two two hells of a fucking shows you know but yeah I yeah the the traditionalist in me yeah just unify that title and then you could split it down the line but
1: I don't know how they would do that. Are you ready to see the end of the uh, IWGP Intercontinental Title?
3: I no, it's not that I want to see the end of it. I just think that right now, that logically, um, and I and I use that term loosely because there's there while there is logic in professional wrestling booking, there's usually not a whole lot of it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, fair enough. So, but I think out of uh, out of most promotions, New Japan definitely has some logic, some sort of logic that they follow. Yeah. And uh, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of, of the way they book because it is one of the few promotions that keeps me guessing. And, again, just when I think I have it figured out, they do something, they pull some out of their ass, and you're just like, holy shit, I can't believe I just saw that happen. So I'm looking forward to that moment or moments during the next uh, or uh, during the the two days or two nights of Russell Kingdom.
1: Now, Russell Kingdom, obviously, again, January 4th. For those who watch New Japan, you already know that's the case. January 4th, January 5th. I believe those are Mondays and Tuesdays. Mon- uh, Monday and Tuesday. Yep. You got to watch it. You can watch it. All you got to do is go to our website, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. You get 30 days for free. So if you subscribe by the time that you hear this, you're going to get 30 days for free. That means you're going to get Wrestle Kingdom night one and two for free. For free. There's no risk to that. There's no risk. So go ahead and do that. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. And get yourself 30 days for free and check out some of the best wrestling in the entire freaking world. I'm just going to fucking throw this out there, again, because this is kind of going to be a a conversation throughout this this, this podcast, this episode, swapping talent, kind of what we talked about with the AEW thing. Mm -hmm. If New Japan is part of this deal, do we see something by Wrestle Kingdom? It's, again, it's,
3: you know, like, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but this is the kind of shit they pull out of their ass just when you least expect it and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think that's where we're headed and, and you know, uh, once once they got uh, their previous general manager out of office, um, you know, d- hearing all the uh, dirt, dirt reports about that, he was a, a big obstacle in working with other companies. So now that he's gone like that gate opens a little bit more and maybe just maybe it's a it's enough to let at least one person in that would make all the difference and you know hey i'm I'm not i'm not gonna say it's any one person but all it all it's gonna take is one person yeah you know uh, yeah and um especially with new japan because they actually know how to book
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely man you know there's so much to talk about as far as this year goes and i'm over here looking at some of the the top moments and and, and things of that nature that happened uh this year um let's go with wwe for a little bit because There's the good, the bad, the ugly. Most of it's ugly. Most of it's bad and ugly. Some some (laughs) of it's good. (laughs) But as much as I don't, because I feel like I have to talk about WWE. I feel like we're obligated at some point to kind of give them their props. And I'm not a fan of of his current run per se, but I, I think it goes without saying that they found somebody to have gotten it right, in my opinion. maybe you disagree with me. But I the 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 rise and surgence of Drew McIntyre, I feel that it was the right guy at the right time. Because quite honestly, you know, pre pandemic you were running with Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg's on another show, I get that, but you were running with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar isn't gonna fucking be full time. Brock lesnar isn't definitely ain't gonna wrestle in the pandemic there's other i'm i would i would hear your argument and i would agree with your argument that there was other guys that you could have ran with but it seems like the booking with drew mcintyre from what i've seen thus far has been believable am i on the right track here or am i am i completely wrong Is, is drew mcintyre's surgeon has been kind of a breath of fresh air because here's a guy who can actually wrestle i'm not saying it's he's wrestling his best matches in WWE, but who can actually wrestle and is getting over it doesn't happen very often. Kind of put you on the spot a little bit. Well, no, you
3: know what, uh, you know what it is. Like I, I want to agree with you. I know but, it's hard in this uh, case, b- I get but it. It, but it's to a point because there is that argument that yeah, this could really pretty much apply to anybody if if the criteria was was correct. But mm-hmm. and with WWE, like they could fuck up a one car funeral if you let them. Yeah. So. With that being said, yeah, like, yeah, Drew McIntyre is kind of a breath of fresh air, but he could be so much more, just like Keith Lee could be so much more, just like Matt Riddle could be so much more, you know? Yeah. The list goes on and on and on.
1: By the way, it's just Riddle now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we had to shorten it up by yeah. a syllable. Can't say Matt, it's just Riddle. It's... Jesus. Yeah, tell me about it. But you look at somebody like AJ
3: Styles, mm-hmm. and he, like for all intents and purposes, he's the old Drew McIntyre by this logic.
1: Sure, yeah. you know
3: I love where AJ, what has, what AJ has done for WWE and what he continues to do. I'm still not satisfied, and I think I'm doing the same thing with Drew McIntyre. I love where he's been, I love what he's doing, mm-hmm. but I'm still not satisfied. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied until these guys get their their fair share of a, a more traveled career elsewhere. And you know, obviously AJ's been in other companies and he's worked for New Japan, mm-hmm. great. But I, I, although he's he's my age, I I think he still has quite a bit of gas left in the tank. He takes good care of himself. Mm-hmm. And I would now that he has had his WWE run, I would love him I would love for him to go somewhere else and, and do something different. McIntyre's not there yet. I think he's got a lot of room to explore in WWE. Hopefully he gets that chance. But yeah, it's it's great. You know, what I didn't like about McIntyre's run so far is that they took the belt away from him so fucking quickly. Like give him give him more time with that fucking title. In, like, in one long span. Mm-hmm. And and that's another thing, too. That's a whole other fucking can of worms, you know?
1: He should have been. Yeah, so there's people that would argue with that because they're WWE marks. They don't understand how a long title reign r- works. I mean, he had it from WrestleMania to Hell in the South, So from March and... or. I
3: think the average WWE fan these days just doesn't... They're not capable of that long attention span. And, and I'm not trying to sit there and say they're a bunch of fucking dullards or anything. That's mm. not what I'm saying. Sure. I'm just saying, like, the way that culture has been brought about yes. by all the booking and, and, and the, the way they engineer their TV programs, that's just the way it is. Nothing's meant to last. And WWE's not the only one at fault for that. You have AEW, like, just wrestling in general these days. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the way shit's going. Short attention span theater, as Steve Austin likes to
1: say. And the title reign could have been, you know, could be a lot more exciting. You didn't have the same rivalry for the for four months in a row because that the Orton rivalry just got dragged on way too long. And then to have McIntyre drop the title only to win it back in two weeks really made no fucking sense whatsoever. No. To have that they have that gap in, in title reign made no sense. Um, like the only big match. That made sense for him to lose during this title reign was the one against Reigns because of what you're trying to do with Reigns. I'm not so sure that you're you're accomplishing that anymore, but they're certainly trying to do something with with Reigns in in the sense of being the most dominant guy in the company. And so that made sense. It was it, it actually wasn't a bad match. I'm 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 not gonna say or lie to you say the match sucked. It was it was decent. Um, the one I believe was Survivor Series Nitro Party. Presented by Mug Root Beer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I honestly, when it comes to WWE's booking, and I'm I'm excluding NXT here, of course, that's one of the brighter point, the brighter spots to it, because there's a lot of fucking bad booking here that I've seen throughout the year, which comes to no surprise here. You look at guys like Riddle, for example. I'm gonna fucking call him that. Right? Thank you, <laughs> a guy like Matt Riddle, for example. You know the, how he's being booked. I mean, the guy can't fucking buy a victory these days, uh, which is just completely just ridiculous to me. Keith Lee, the guy who wins the NXT Championship within what three four weeks, he's gone from from NXT altogether. Yeah. With no, with no belts. Just to come to WWE. And it's funny because on that documentary that I talked about, I forget which, what it was called, but it was a Keith Lee documentary on the WWE Network. He, comes out, he, they, they, he talks about that debut match. a habit on Raw against Randy Orton. Like, it was a big fucking deal. Now, look, I get it. It's your Raw debut. Fine. Awesome. Cool. Good for you. But for those who don't remember, the match lasted like for like, 3 fucking minutes. It ended by Drew McIntyre coming out and interfering and costing him the match. How is that something you want to remember? How is that something that you want to be like, "Hey, like, wow, look what I accomplished. Look, all my hard work. I just fucking main evented with Adam Cole last month in one of the one of the biggest matches of 2020. And here I am having a three-minute match that ends in a DQ against Randy Orton, and I'm proud of that. Fuck. And, th- and that kind of booking has happened all fucking year, with with guys like Keith Lee, guys like Matt Riddle, guys like with this crazy amount of talent. And here they are. They're there. They're here for you. And this is what you do with them. It's extremely disappointing. It's something that doesn't fucking end with this place. And I just. I don't know, man. I'm kind of at my wit's end with the with with the whole thing. Like, I just even even for the podcast at this point, like I just can't fucking bear to watch it anymore. Because even even in the midst of where there's chaos and disorder, WWE finds a way to still be mundane
2: and boring.
1: And I just that I, takes talent, man.
3: Man, you know, I'm <laughs> telling you, I'm fucking telling you. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah, So 2020, man. As far as match matches, top matches of the year, I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to rank it because I didn't come prepared for that. I don't know about you, but do you have some matches that really stood out to you? You've got
3: Naito versus Evil with the Evil Turn and. It, it it was because of the turn um that's yeah. i bring that up you know not this isn't necessarily about um whether it was a good technical match or not and it was but yeah, it was good. You, that that whole match in its entirety you have good actual physical wrestling you have a great fucking story regardless of whether there was a turn or not Mm -hmm. that turn to me was like a fucking bonus yeah you have everything that you you could ever want in in a pro wrestling situation that's what you want you want the shock and awe you want the crowd in the palm of your hand you want a good match to follow all of that took place there. Earlier, I, I referred to it as underrated because I think, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt, but w- would you? Would it be safe to say that this was the first pandemic, or the first turn that happened during the pandemic that like, actually had some sort of impact, like meaningful impact? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this was what? This was the first show that they had an audience back, right? If I'm not mistaken? They had somewhat of an audience back? Yes. Or was it their last show with an audience? I think, no, it was, I think it was one of their first shows with an audience. Okay. Yeah. So, first show with the audience I back. I what tour it was. But back yeah. in the building. Mm-hmm. To hear that crowd. And keep in mind, there's not a whole lot of fucking people in the crowd. To hear the way that crowd react to that. Like, I'm still getting goosebumps talking about it. you like, holy shit. Yeah. That right there is great fucking television. And it's so shitty to, to just see it I don't want to say that it went to waste because obviously the the ripple effect happened and you know you know it got leaked through the dirt sheets and, and whatever you know on the internet. So whether you saw a live or you saw clips of it happen, you still got to see it. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing like it watching it as it came to fruition.
1: And definitely one of the highlights, top highlights for me out of the entire year. The evil turn, man, it, it, it was, because it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, but also great at the same time. It, it, it's one of those, it's kind of an oxymoron, what I just said there, and it's, it just t- it tugged <laughs> on you emotionally because you're so invested in these characters. And, you know, being such a big Tetsuya Naito fan, to see his right-hand man turn his back on him, but then on the same time he turned his back on him to join the Bullet Club, and it's double like, <laughs> dagger to the heart, man. <laughs> and it's like again, when it comes to New Japan, and and I, and I want to throw in like how they book for the how they book the Bullet Club as well. They always find a fucking way to try to outnumber themselves. And I, and I bring that up because one of my favorite moments that I alluded to earlier this year took place on January fifth at Wrestle Kingdom. Tetsu Naito again. The, the 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 journey comes to an end. The multi-year journey saga the odyssey it comes to an end and he finally wins the big one he finally wins it all the main event of wrestle kingdom and here he is celebrating his title victories and it gets spoiled by kenta spoiled fucking rotten all the fruits rotten i got an apple the other day with a worm in it the worm was dead (laughs) in front of what 50 60,000 people in attendance cuz remember this is pre-pandemic. That's right. You have the entire crowd. A very tame Japanese crowd usually is now chanting for him to go home. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about the, the the equivalent of getting booed out of the fucking building. Yeah. And and, and Kenta is <laughs> and Kenta destroyed that that moment. He destroyed that moment. And it made for such great fucking TV. Yeah, Shibata could never say he's not loved. Ever. (laughs) Ever. It was just absolutely just... I mean, it was was just beautifully done. Um, Some of my favorite matches, personally, have actually came from one guy. Uh, Not saying that he was the only top matches, but... I can't talk about 2020 without talking about the full-time return... Of Hiromu Takahashi. Absolutely. Who, obviously, just to see him back in, in a wrestling ring, period, is just absolutely just Nothing amazing. short of phenomenal, yeah. you know? Like, fuck. And, again, we go back to Wrestle Kingdom. We go back now to January 4th when the match that he had against Will Ospreay... I, you know, again, I'm not saying we're going to sit here and rank it, but that's i got to throw that in there as one of the best matches of, of, of the year. Well,
3: not only does he
1: come back, mm. but highly
3: physical fucking match. And I get it. He took the time off, and he recouped, and he's supposed yeah. to be better than ever. But you're going through that match, and you're like, it's still with you. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is essentially your first mm-hmm. match back. And let's not forget the, yeah. the, the the in-ring promo that he cut before the match. Mm-hmm which was what a week or two before the actual match happened. Yeah. And he's in there taking like really fucking hard bumps that he's doing to himself, mind
1: you. Yes, yes.
3: And we're all like what the fuck are you trying to do? <laughs> Kill yourself before
1: you have your comeback match? <laughs> I did. Wow. Just fucking wild, wow, dude. And yeah, absolutely it's up there. And that that match, I just remember watching it, watching it with the uh, with the girlfriend and you know, she's not too familiar with Japanese wrestling. She's, okay. she, likes, she likes her old school wrestling. Sure. So I'm, we're watching it, and I'm, I'm showing, I'm like, I was like, if this is if you're going to watch one match on this card, I just before I even saw the match. I was like, you're probably going to want to watch this one. Takahashi versus Ospreay. I, like, I think this one's going to be one of those matches, and I even said it back then on January 4th, as it's probably going to be one of those matches that Joe and I are going to be talking about at the end of the year. I mean, you talk about somebody on the edge of their seat. I mean, she's she's not even doing that. She's kneeling in front of the TV <laughs> just in shock of all the false finishes that were happening, all the hard-hitting, the, as physical as it was. Because remember, Will Ospreay is about as physical as they come these days. It still is. Uh, that That started last year, really, or even late 2018, where that physicality really started to come in. I mean, I'll never forget... The match where he almost fucking killed Kota Ibushi. Yeah, he, he <laughs> almost he, knocked his ass out. Yeah, well he did. Well, he did he, knock he, his yeah, ass he out, Yeah, he could cuss him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, you know, you see, so you're talking about a match that I went into, kind of like, like you said, like I'm a little worried because this is kind of like one of those matches where it's like, really, this is your first match back, <laughs> your first like big event back. I mean, just, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely, just one of those matches that really just. Will will never be forgotten for me. I've I've actually watched it quite a, f- a number of times now uh, throughout this year. Uh, a couple other Takahashi matches that has stood out: the rematch against Ryu Lee, obviously very important, very important because it was unfortunately it was it was the match with when he was Dragon Lee, where Takahashi had suffered that very devastating injury that almost cost him. His ability to walk let alone his wrestling career and then most recently i finally watched it the match he just he recently just had at super juniors against el desperado another match that you just you, you gotta check out i mean absolutely amazing match and takahashi takes the victory on that one too it just i mean he's a guy that every time that he's on that card i'm telling you guys if you're not familiar with hiromu takahashi in 2021 make that a new year's resolution Start watching this man's matches because when his career is done and over with, he's going to be one of the all-time best. And I say that, I say that here because we can't talk about everybody's career coming to an end, but when you talk about all-time best, we can't talk about 2020 coming to an end until we talk about the legendary career that came to an end, and that's Jushin Thunderliger a guy that we've talked about on this on this podcast. It was emotional then. It's emotional now, but a a, a career that spanned decades. I just not, not not enough can be said by being able to witness his career come to an end the way that he wanted it to come to an end. Yeah, and then a very just one of the best moments you'll see is the, the following night with the with the actual retirement speech and when you, when I think of passing the torch Hiromu Takahashi and it was that night that first Wrestle Kingdom night that's right yeah where you know he I don't remember exactly what was said but he was uh, he was very emotional he's the one that got the victory over, over Liger and, and you know he was you know basically dedicated everything to the memory of of Liger in, in his career and you talk about passing of that torch I think that happened officially that night. Yeah, he said he wouldn't waste the opportunity. And it was and, and you think of somebody like like a Takahashi, you know, we, we, we book fantasy matches all the time. That's what I'm trying to get to my point here. Takahashi and Liger in their prime, you're talking match of the fucking century. Oh. And that's a bold statement I know, but I st- I stand by it. No, no, I, I I agree with you, and, and it's not just because
3: I'm a a liger mark. I mean, if you go back and and look for a lot of people, including myself, you know, if you didn't have access to tape trading, especially tape trading uh, Japanese tapes, the first time you more than likely got to see Jushin Thunder Liger was on a WCW programming. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. When he showed up, like. He fucked a lot of people up because everybody was looking at him like, "Holy shit, this is a small ass dude. He's wrestling like a big ass dude." (laughs) Yeah, and uh, just the way he like he—it wasn't just that he was a. A, a, a quote-unquote cruiserweight, but he was very physical, and I, I think a lot of people who weren't used to Japanese strong style they got more than their fair share of it coming from him right away, mm-hmm. and, and you just you were taken back by it. If there's one pay-per-view or one, or one like style of match that immediately comes to the top of your head, that's not War Games, mind you. Mm-hmm. What is something going forward after this year? That you just don't
1: think is gonna work without a massive amount of people in front of it. Well, the the first one that <clears throat> pops in my head because it's it's due next month. I, I they're going to do it, but I don't I don't see how Royal Rumble is gonna work. And oh
3: wow! I didn't even think about that. <laughs> fuck.
1: You know, I mean, Royal Rumble is very much crowd pleasing. You're you know, right. You know, you th- oh shit! You think of let's go to the year AJ Styles. You done fucked
3: me up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, I, can, I can answer another question of that or another another match. No, that. no, no. Please go ahead. But you, you go you look at something like AJ Styles debuting. What year was that? 2017 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And that that pop. Oh man, I I remember watching it. Yeah. So yeah. so let's say this is this is not speculating. This is not some kind of dirt sheet. This is just an example, okay? So nobody say like, "Oh, I heard it on the show or in the podcast." <laughs> it's, it's not even. It, I just pulled this out of my ass, okay? All right.
5: This is a rather lifeless outing. Don't worry. They're building to something.
4: Ow!
6: (laughs) Kids! Say Say no to drugs! drugs.
7: Uh, I could pull a better cartoon out of my... uh, Hey! Whoa! Wasn't that great, kids?
1: But let's just say that WWE was part of this talent swapping, and Katie Omega finally does pop in. At Royal Rumble They would be dumb enough To do it In front of nobody Absolutely And what sense does that
3: make? Here's where we're going to disagree There is a sense to it It I disagree already Yeah There is a sense to it But it's not the sense Most people are going to think about You know what the sense is? I'll tell you what it is Network buys that's all that's all it would be for the the opportunity to get you to buy their network even if it's for a month and feed you advertisements which by the way if you if you have if you don't have a network subscription already you'll see now these days there it's like it's like the basic hulu package you're still getting the content you want but there's advertisements here and there yeah and i me personally i don't have a problem with that but i know there are a lot of people that that do have a problem with that and that's fine to each their own that's i think that's obvious th- i think that's an obvious one for me is that opportunity i'm glad you mentioned kenny omega because the year aj styles showed up mm-hmm. there was a heavy talk of kenny omega mm-hmm. coming in even almost down
1: to the last minute that was the year they were trying to sign the bucks well, the
3: only as
2: well. way
1: the only way I agree with what you said about Kenny Omega making sense and the paper in the, in the network buy rates, you have to spoil the surprise. Then. Why? Know? Why do you have to spoil it? Because you're getting network. You're, you're getting network buys after the fact. You're gonna you're gonna get more network buys by people knowing that Kenny Omega is gonna show up. Not necessarily. It all goes nah. back. It all goes back to the Goldberg debacle.
3: Because if you if Kenny Omega shows up mm-hmm. in front of quote unquote nobody and then go uh, that's one thing. And going forward, you have the pro well not the promise you have the the opportunity to see Kenny Omega on the WWE network even sporadically down uh, down the line even if it's once a month. I think I think you're if they're doing it correctly and here's where shit could get <laughs> fucked up really quick again one car funeral Kenny Omega shows up in front of nobody they go through after the rumble and even if they pepper him in over the month the coming months mm-hmm. you still got that steady stream of subscribers hopefully ramping up now if you take the 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 quick the quick money instead of the long money you spoil it and say hey he's going to show up at royal rumble don't miss out sign up now yeah they got a lot of people's money all at once but down the line, does that still work out the same? Is all that growth better right away? Or do you want to play the long run and grow gradually? I don't know about you, but if I've learned anything from watching professional wrestling or or anything like that, you want that gradual. You don't want that quick nut and then you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you want you want that gradual growth. Because otherwise, we're not seeing it happen for very long.
1: So that's that's where I'm coming from. And I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's where I'm coming. From. Fair enough. I don't know. I, I still have a hard time of it. Maybe because I'm using WWE blinders here, and they <laughs> they they tend to they tend to fuck that up. I still feel though that in the they're in the midst of a no crowd WWE, that having those big surprises is going to not turn out the way. It's not going to create the buzz that it would initially create having that live crowd pop. I say that because, just like anything else, is that you're never going to truly know the success of what you're doing until the buy rates come out.
3: And and unfortunately, that's where we're at with this whole pandemic situation. I think uh, I I believe it was Jericho that alluded to that a few months ago on his podcast. I forget who he was talking to, but he's Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of hard to Gauge how well things are going over until you see that buy rate, yeah. or that, that demo, because you don't have a live crowd in front of you to hear that immediate
1: pop or that immediate boo or that immediate right. whatever you know. I mean, here you know you could you could put fucking Rey Mysterio at number thirty and and Pierre think, hey, we're fucking doing the right thing. <laughs> For those who remember that fucking Royal <laughs> Rumble. <laughs> Going back to the initial question of matches that are are a no-go for, or should be a no-go for during the pandemic. For me, I'll say the same thing that I said last week with War Games. Don't put your talent in a huge risk of a match. One, during a pandemic. Because injuries can happen in any match, I get that. But you obviously if you're going to do cage matches and, and ladder matches and things of that nature... You have to be careful because if, if guys get hurt, it's not a good time to get medi- medical treatment. Right. It's just not a good time for that. Especially if it's one of those things that you can't take care of in-house. Mm-hmm. You got to go to the hospital. It's not a good time for that. So, therefore, I would really, really pick be picky on those types of matches. Like, for example, the the matches leading up to war games for uh, this mo- the most recent war games. You had back-to-back weeks with ladder matches. Was that necessary to do? I'm not so sure. Well, that's quite interesting. Is that Gals? I was wondering where yes. he's been. I don't know if he was hurt because he hasn't been on TV. So, we, are, we are, again, we were watching uh, the December 15th episode of Impact Wrestling. Joe and I are going to have to watch this with uh, audio at some point. But Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers looks like they're doing business together. And that, that that sparks that's going to spark a lot of interest. Yeah, a yeah. lot of interest. There's a lot of history there. Right now, all we do is speculate because obviously we got the volume turned down, so we don't have any issues with noise while we record. I would definitely be pick. I, I would definitely do it sparingly, even more than usual, because hey, you don't want to have ladder matches and cage matches all the time. But do it more sparingly, more than usual, and make sure that everybody knows the risk. And that you have the best talent possible to protect the other talent in these kind of matches. You do you're doing war games matches in front of nobody. It's just like why? What are we doing? And again, I, I hear your 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 argument on 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 you know network sales and everything like that. It doesn't necessarily apply here because you know Kenny Omega join wwe that's that is really fucking huge i get that the problem with doing these kind of matches is that are you really getting the money that you would be making if you would do it live you know war games the the war games last year it was in chicago yeah no they're they're, sold
3: out crowd there's there's an argument there and the the immediate the immediate answer is no there's obviously that you're not going to make that kind of money then why do it? But I think we're also under that situation where there's just a lot of shitty wrestling out there right now. True. And you do run that risk of your house not being what you think it could be or it should be. Mm-hmm. So... Again, even even moving forward from here on out, you're going to have to really promote the hell out of live events if you're if you're going to have whatever the new capacity crowd is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come to to a conclusion and either take that bet, take that gamble, to either do it you know do it live with with a limited crowd or or. No crowd at all because yeah we are we are of that situation where a, a, a lot of people in our economy, at least here in the states, I'm sure all over the world too, mm-hmm. that that disposable income isn't necessarily there like it used to be. You got to look at the safer bet. Is it, is it you know does it make mathematical sense or financial sense to run a uh, live show even if it's limited audience and social distancing takes place in the whole nine? Or is it just a hell of a lot safer to keep everybody at home, and get your ten bucks? You know. Yeah. So
1: that that's
3: that's something that has to be relegated through through
1: the coming months and in maybe even years. You know. I tell you what, there's a lot that 2021 uh, is gonna have to fucking figure out, man. Before we wrap up this show, what's 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 the what's the one moment? What's the one? Whether it's a match, whether it's a segment, whether it's a promo, what's this? The lasting image of 2020, what's the one that sticks out to you the most as a wrestling fan
3: Man, you know what? I'm going to probably get heat over this. Let's hear it. But here it goes. It's kind of the... It's two different situations, but it's kind of the same fucking thing. The resurgence of the NWA, Okay. just in general, and along those same lines... Kenny Omega showing up on a competitor's television show because both of those situations remind me of the same thing and that's hope and growth. I love I grew up in the days of territories I love that concept it was great to see especially since back then I was one of the fortunate crowds to have cable TV mm-hmm. and and also that healthy mixture of local access TV to where I got to see world class out of Texas, and AWA, and Georgia Championship, and WWF, all within the span of, uh, of a couple weeks, so I got to see all kinds of guys, I got to see guys show up in different places. It was all fucking amazing to me, and I've never forgotten that, and I fucking love that. Because that's what that's what helped me become... That's what helped me uh, be solidified as a mm-hmm. wrestling fan, was all those dream matches. It was like, whoa, I got to see Kamala in world class. Wouldn't it be cool if he showed up here, and then guess what? He fucking shows up in WWF. You're like, wow. You know? So, this this whole thing with Kenny Omega... And like we just seen him uh, seemingly reunite with the Good Brothers, like that excites me. It doesn't even have to be Bullet Club, although you know <laughs> I would fucking love that. Yes, yes, yes. But that's that's what professional wrestling fan in me. That's what I want. That I've craved that. I've craved that ever since it stopped being that way. So for all that to come back, even if it's just a little bit, dude, that makes my full, whole fucking year. I don't care how shitty this year was to see that happen. And, it, and and we're at the tail end of the year. It gives me uh, nothing but goosebumps for 2021. And the Nitro Party. And the Nitro Party. <laughs>
1: presented it's by my, Mug Root Beer. Presented by Mug Root Beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. My, my initial answer is going to be extremely cheesy. Oh, I already know what it is. What's that? It's Scott Steiner math. Scott Steiner math. Yes. You see him in the ring. Johnny Swinger coming down in the ring. Jesus. Bunch of winners
0: here. You know, they say all men are created equal. But you look at me and you look at Small Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best and beat me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an 8 and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning. If we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents, I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie.
2: Oh, Lord.
1: What I loved this year amidst the amidst the pandemic, which I did, I did not love that part, but amidst the pandemic, I loved the resiliency of... The thing one of the things that I love most in this world and that is professional wrestling it's why I do this podcast I, I absolutely just I fell in love with this as a little kid and we saw and during a time where there's just great sorrow and, and despair we saw those little engines that could those, those, those little independent wrestling companies say you know what we're gonna we're gonna do things as, as safely as we possibly can do it but we're gonna put on shows. You know, shots out to Warrior Wrestling from our backyard. They said, you know, we're not going to do it inside anymore. We're going to do it on the football field. And, you know, you got to wear a mask, but you can bring your own chair and you can sit on the football field and you come watch wrestling. And you can, you per usual, they they fucking booked people that nobody else was booking, including Tessa Blanchard. Her (laughs) her first and I believe only match during this pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. I, again, don't know how they pulled that off, but they did it. Those little engines that could, man, it, that resiliency in professional wrestling that has existed, and and including the 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 other bigger companies like a Ring of Honor, like a Major League Wrestling, who finally did come back and put on some of the best, you know, best shows that they possibly can. I, I tell you what, man, I I just I absolutely love that resiliency of, of you know what we're gonna do what we can. That, and 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 even though we talked about it, can it survive? I don't know if it can, but I what I do know is that it, if it does go down, it's not going to go down without a fight, and that's what I love the most about this this industry is that you saw the heart and soul that existed. You know, you saw you saw you you saw some companies that 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 basically booked the wrestlers. And, and they, you know, some, some like a Black Label Pro, where they got everything, you, and you were able to even, like you said, uh, donate to the wrestlers. While even if you couldn't make it to the show, and, and and merchandise sales have have gone up in certain areas, and and they're finding a way. And I hope that whatever other business exists out there outside of professional wrestling, that they're finding ways to do the same thing, because. You know, like Joe said, he said it perfectly, you have to be creative right now, you have to think outside the box a little bit, or I should say a lot in this case, and and find ways to, you know, stay relevant in a time where, you know, everything is against, against you. That was one of my favorite moments was seeing that, was able to, you know, here we are in the midst of a pandemic and you're seeing all this stuff on the news. But then Saturday comes around and I just I have nothing but a bunch of wrestling I gotta get through. <laughs> and it was overwhelming, but I was like, fuck, this is awesome. This is wrestling I haven't seen yet. This yeah, isn't this yeah. isn't archived shit. This is stuff that happened earlier in the week that I gotta catch up on. You know, not just for, you know, to stay brushed up on brush up on my wrestling, but for my entertainment. I love that. It's a good problem to have. And I and I want more of that, you know, because before this, you know, there was so much wrestling you, you couldn't watch it all you just you couldn't it just it was it was there was just too much of it and, and too much in this case is, is a good thing because it's not oversaturation it's 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 just enough that was my favorite moment of of, of 2020 it wasn't a, a particular match or or moment and i know it might be a cop out of an answer but i i just loved the fact that they went out there fucking swinging i know that's kind of took a little setback with the the indie shows that happened a few months back but i think we'll be back you know, especially in the Midwest, I think if we're going to do outdoor shows, that's not really going to be plausible because obviously winter's here. I just love that. I love that. Uh, I love that resiliency. I loved it more than seeing Sting come to AEW, although that was a top moment for me. I did love that. As a, as a stinger myself, a little stinger myself. Yes, at 31 years old, I'm still a little stinger. But yeah, I agree with you too. The Kenny Omega situation, because that opens the floodgates to what 2021 and... And, and, and further can go. And that's probably going to go down as one of the most important, it, it, probably the most important thing to happen uh, was what you said with Kenny Omega showing up on the other other company's TV show twice now, too. And and by the time that you listen to this show, it might be, it probably be more than twice. Yeah, I would think so. So, you know, there's a lot to be said. You know, keep in mind, leading into 2021, I want to say January sixteenth, Hard to Kill, yep, is the first show, first first pay per view of the year for for Impact Wrestling, I should say, and uh, I I think uh, I think that we're gonna see even more stuff kind of come down by that point, and on top of that, Russell Kingdom, January fourth and fifth. There's a lot. That uh, 2021 is going to uh, offer us. Before we get out of here, uh, we didn't really do this yet, mainly because there's been a little bit of gaps in recording. Uh, I do, we do want to give our condolences to a few people that we've lost. The guy that we lost earlier this month, the legendary Pat Patterson. Absolutely. One of the one of the one of the all time greats. I know so many people my age don't really realize the type of wrestler he was i can't implore you guys enough to open up your wrestling history books and and realize that the pat Patterson that my generation grew up on is not the pat you no remember. <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean you, you look at some of the, the best wrestling in the 1970s pat Patterson was it and and also too we just lost him he, he was He was in wrestling for a little bit. I I, got to give a shout out to uh, uh, Tiny Lister Jr. Zeus. Zeus. And uh, he just. Debo. Debo. Yes. Um, (laughs) I got about $200. (laughs) 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 What shame.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I wonder, like, if if there's a, you know, we'll call it an afterlife for all intents and purposes. Like an afterlife, like, I gotta imagine, like, there's gotta be a faction up there, and, like, Zeus is, like, the the, the, the bodyguard for Eddie Guerrero. Just or something, and right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can't you just see Eddie for, for shits and giggles? Just, like, hiring him? To... <laughs> you just see, you just see Zeus in the back of the fucking rider. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh just just two guys that that really I mean, my our condolences and uh you know Pat Patterson. That was I I watched his, his tribute that they 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 did. Uh I think I first watched it at the, the the NXT episode or NXT Takeover. Okay. It was it was it was a nice little little send-off for him. I'm glad they, they were showing aspects of him that a lot of people didn't see. Uh it's just, you know, another another tough loss. Absolutely. I think for the final time in 2020, I think we're going to wrap this show up. It's been a it's been a heck of a year. I want to thank my partner here for another successful calendar year. We, made, we survived. Yeah. <laughs> we survived. It was. It had definitely had its downs. You know, we we definitely took some time off like everybody else to try to figure our shit out. Uh, but um, we always find a way back in doing this, and we do this uh, for. For the love of it, we do it because we we love hearing from what you guys have to say, and you know, hopefully, you guys continue to help spread the word on this podcast. We do the best that we can, and we're always open for any any feedback, good and bad. Trust me, you know there's 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 no uh, there's no thin skin between Joe and myself. We we've we've heard it all, so you can't really offend us. Yeah, right. <laughs> well,
3: I mean, unless you're talking about Jeff Jarrett, fuck Jeff Jarrett. <laughs>
1: That's the highlight of twenty twenty. Fuck Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> 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 fuck Brock Lesnar. Fuck Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I forgot who the other one was. Those oh, those two for me. I think we I think we said fuck Bill Goldberg too.
2: Well, yeah, because well, he was
1: coming back. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, he yes. was gonna come back and steal a thunder. But yeah, man, we survived. We survived. It's been a heck of a year. It's been a really weird weird. It's been a really weird year. I'm kind of a tongue twister there, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I look forward to another year with you. There's a lot, lot of uh, plans that are going to be happening. We're gonna have a up, oh, we're gonna have a brand new website. So if there's any issues with our old website, we're gonna fix that. Absolutely, uh, something that we've been working on. We we're gonna be having details of Patreon coming up soon, and all that we ask is for you guys to just give us an opportunity to continue to entertain you, spread the word. Give us a quick review if you can. Absolutely, all it takes is a matter of seconds to do it. You know, preferably five stars. But you know, hey, if we gotta we gotta fix our what we're doing, then we'll fix what we're doing to earn those five stars. We don't want nothing for free. You know, we'll but we put in a lot of work to this, and uh, I just I can't thank everybody enough for another year. Hope everybody's having a good holiday season, a happy new year, and uh, hopefully, twenty twenty one is a lot better than twenty twenty. And uh, it shouldn't be that hard at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can Orange Cassidy it and be better than... <laughs> uh,
3: ladies and gentlemen, we're available on Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20crew. Come talk to Matt and I and the rest of the people there over at our group, facebook.com slash groups slash 20 x 20 talk. Uh, We're available on Twitter and Instagram at 20x20crew on both of those platforms. Uh, Patreon coming soon. YouTube's being retooled. Of course, our home on the web, 20x20crew.com, where you can find all of our past episodes, merch, and the whole nine. Anything that has to do with the 20x20 ring crew will be right there. For your consumption.
1: That's it, man. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we could talk all day about 2020, but uh, you know what? All you got to do is go out there and watch. There's yeah, plenty of to do. Support pro wrestling, folks. That's all you can do. And uh, until next year, I've been Matt. He's been Joe. You've been fantastic. Until next time, we will see, see you, you, in you in the, the ring.
0: I go, bro, what the f-? <laughs> Bro, I don't remember.